I am late AF tonight, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the kids say nowadays, Calvin. Do you say that, AF? I'll throw in an occasional AF, for sure. All right. I got AF. <laughs> yeah. Late AF. And uh, technology is not my friend today either, ladies and gentlemen. So <clears throat> I expect something to go wrong tonight. Nothing went right today at work as far as technology is concerned. My Dunkin' Donuts app wouldn't let me order on the go. My phone has been acting up. I am, I'm just a lot of sorts. I played basketball, and I'm still not any good. And I think I need new sneakers or something because I couldn't even stand up straight without sliding around. I don't know. I don't know what's my problem tonight, Calvin. But here we are on Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. And my name is Matt Rory. Your name is Calvin Chamberlain. Those things are all true. Yes, sir. So our show rundown was come up and discussed. <clears throat> come up, we came up with it and discussed it uh, after the show was supposed to start. Full disclosure on that one. Fortunately, we uh, will have our special friend, really special friend, Liz Farola, <clears throat> back with us tonight. So I'm excited for that segment a little bit later. But um, otherwise. I'm going to change the curveball at you right now, Ray. Oh, I'm, here we go. Yeah, I'm curious about uh, these things that you were saying me in message. Why don't we Why don't we start with some Rory NFL talk? Oh, tell me about uh, yeah. T- tell me about the radio host there saying that the Giants are going to the Super Bowl. Well, I don't know if he was if he was being facetious or if he was just trying to drum up some interest or, or something. Sometimes they they tend to lean towards the the shock jock aspect, even though they're not shock jocks. They just they're, they're sort of parodying shock jocks, you know? So, uh, but he basically goes the, through the, through the NFL games every week and he plays clips from each one. And this, this man is convinced that Eli Manning and the giants are going to get into the playoffs and rip right through the NFC and meet the Patriots in the Super Bowl for Brady Manning three. And that's what he's very excited about. So, uh, I don't I don't really have many thoughts on that besides <laughs> the fact that uh, I think it, the Giants have a better chance of making the Super Bowl at this point than the Patriots do if you're going to evaluate everything truthfully at this point in the season because the Patriots, Calvin, don't even look that good right now. They look terrible. But, I mean, terrible. Don't you feel like that's an exaggeration? Terrible? Like they compared, really, to they what people, compared to what people were saying they were going to be going into the season and the expectations that this team had going into the season, they look pretty terrible on defense. The offense is, is fine. They're, they're going to be fine. They're going to score their points. But if, if this team runs up against an offense that's just as good as the Patriots or a tad below the Patriots as far as the, the offense is concerned, then... I'm not sure if they're going to be able to win those types of shootout games, and the defense isn't stopping anyone. Bend, bend but don't break is not happening right now. They're breaking quite a bit. Look, there's no question that your defense isn't good, but like, who is the team that we're talking about? Give, give me your, this, this AFC team that's going to go to Foxborough, because clearly they're going to end up with the two-seed at worst, right? So who's this team that's going to Foxborough and winning a game uh, there? The Raiders? Or do we think the Raiders are ready? Like, who, who, uh, I don't know if I would say the Raiders are ready, but um, honestly, I would look at a team like Baltimore or Pittsburgh that's going to come out of the AFC North and have a chance to, to make some noise if they're healthy. Both of those teams are not 
they're, they're not playing very well right now either. And it's kind of embarrassing that a couple of five and five teams are leading their division. But the bottom line is if a guy like Roethlisberger comes back healthy towards the end of the year, I think that's the type of offense that I just like that I just described that can go up and down the field in a shootout with the Patriots. And if the Patriots defense is not up to snuff and they're playing the way they are right now, I don't know if I really trust them to win that game. I mean, I don't know if you've watched Baltimore at all this year, but they definitely are not the kind of offense. No, it's not, probably not Baltimore. It's, it's really Pittsburgh that we're talking about here, I guess, it, it, because I, I think a healthy Roethlisberger with the receivers that they have on that team that would be able to carve the Patriots up, and it really would be a shootout, and it would be – it would have the page, Brady would have to have an excellent game, which there's. I mean, not saying that he wouldn't. The, the I wouldn't. I'm not doubting in the Patriots' offense right now, but I just I feel like the defense is that porous at the moment that if we're going to evaluate everything right now, I'm not confident going into a game like that against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, but you're you're basically narrowing it down to one team because if you just look at the AFC, luckily for the Patriots, the AFC is full of teams, playoff teams with terrible offenses. You know, Kansas, Kansas City's offense is not going to score. Uh, Correct. They're not going to outscore the new the, the Patriots, even though they're a good team. Denver is not going to outscore the Patriots. Let's go. Like if you're no. telling me, yeah, I wouldn't worry about I mean, Trevor Simmons. Possibly, going possibly Oakland. They've scored a lot of points this year, but. But it's probably not. They scored more the points than the Patriots this year, by the way, um, by one. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I'm, lo- I'm looking at Pittsburgh yeah. and Oakland, I guess. And Oakland is a stretch because I don't really trust the Colts. I feel like if the Colts were to find a way to win that division, right. that they would they would fold in the playoffs as they usually do. So I guess we're looking at two teams. But my point yeah. is that I feel like the, if a solid Giants team has a better has a has a, an argument, not a better argument, but an argument to to get good at the end of the season like they tend to do, Calvin, and make a run in the playoffs. The Giants have always built their teams to win in the playoffs, and you you know that's a fact. Oh, I don't I, – I, yeah, I'm not sleeping on the Giants' chances. I think they, their defense is rounding into form. They've been one of the best defenses in the NFL over the last uh, six or so weeks. They've won five in a row. They, they can't run the ball to save their lives, so I think uh, – they don't blow any team out because what happens is is they get they get fourth quarter leads time and again and they can't close the game out because they they just go to three out mode when it's time to run the ball then they give, they give teams multiple chances to try to score so that's sort of the the kind of cardiac style that I think will pull, bite them in the ass inevitably outside of the fact that they don't have a running game their defense does play a style that's going to make it difficult for teams come playoff time so. I'm not I'm not writing them off by any means. I just think like the Patriots are in pretty good shape, at least as far as getting oh, to the Super Bowl goes. Yeah, they're in they're no, I mean they're in great shape to have a have home field advantage and and set themselves up to have a good road to the Super Bowl. But like I said, I'm just not confident in this defense right now. They're going to have to do something to show me that they can stop a potent offense like potentially Pittsburgh and or like if Roethlisberger's healthy and potentially Oakland if they continue to play well and, and develop uh, faster than people expected. Bree, is, is anybody in that uh, division ever going to do something about the Patriots winning every year? Or am I just going to have to deal with them winning the division every year for this? <laughs> this was the Dolphins' year, Calvin. This was their year. They, yeah. they figured it all out, right? They're 6-4 yeah, the now. They're, they've won five in a row. This is their year. 
Yeah, I feel bad for Dolphins fans because I feel like uh, because Ryan Tannehill has you know, played pretty well lately, it's like they're getting sucked back into the narrative that like Ryan Tannehill might be a pretty good quarterback. And it, it, I feel bad for the teams that have quarterbacks who are like just good enough to continue holding on to their job every year and give them like hope for the future. They're young quarterbacks, and all of a sudden you've been stuck with the same guy for nine years. You know, like Jay Cutler just tore his labrum. He's going to be out for the season, but like I feel like he's gotten injured three years in a row. Like they have not been able to give Jay Cutler and my roommate, who's a uh, Bears fan, just utterly despises him. I think this is finally the end of the road for him, but. It looks like Tannehill will be, you know, stuck in Miami for at least another year or two. Anyway. Wow. On a side note, uh, I'm just looking at the NFL standings just to sort of see what was out there and fuel this conversation a little bit. Did you know that the Cleveland Browns are a net negative 141 points on the year? They've let up 141 more points than they've scored. How oh, yeah. pathetic do you have to be? That is awful. I mean, to to be fair to them, their starting quarterback got hurt in uh, early in the first game. I know it's RG, but whatever. Then their backup quarterback got hurt in the second game. Then Cody Kessler came in. He got hurt. And, they, you know, they, they've had it. I know, I, but that's I, just I believe so... in the first six games, they had five different just, starting quarterbacks, which is, like, unprecedented in history. It's just so pathetic, though. I mean, I guess they better hope that there's a number one quarterback coming out of the draft this year because they're picking number one. Who can, they, who can they blow a pick on this year? Like, would, would the Patriots have been that good this year if, you know, Jacoby Brissett got hurt in the third game after Brady and the uh, – Garoppolo had already gotten hurt in the first two games. I'm, I'm not sure that they'd be that good. They um, probably wouldn't be winless, but they they probably wouldn't be that good. That's all I'm saying. All right, I'm going to go to the I'm going to go to the quarterback rankings for the NFL draft. I want to see who's going to be playing for them. Oh, that's next year. Oh no, that's it's, 2017. 2017. It's, it's going to be Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Kaiser. Who? Deshaun Kaiser, quarterback, no Dame. Uh, I don't know who that is. I, I just assumed Deshaun Watson. This, this website says that uh, this kid has a better uh, physical skill set than Deshaun Watson. They actually have Watson number three behind Mitch Trubisky from North Carolina. What a joke. How, who? If you told me even just three to five years ago that North Carolina was going to produce a top three NFL quarterback prospect. I would have laughed and laughed and laughed and just kept yeah, but laughing. You're, you're glancing over the headline, which is you're telling me that there's going to be a first-round NFL quarterback named Mitch? That's amazing. Mitch Trubisky? It's the fakest Trubisky. name. That's the fakest name I've ever heard in my life. It's funny because... <clears throat> They're saying this Kaiser kid is the top. I mean, this is I, who knows what this website is. It's just the first thing that came up when I Googled top NFL quarterback prospects. Um, but this guy's opinion is that Kaiser's number one and that this Trubisky kid is number two and then Watson's three. So, but he's saying that Trubisky looks like a second round caliber prospect, but he thinks somebody's going to reach on him. So I don't know who this man is at uh, WalterFootball.com, a reputable website, but he seems to know more than I do, so I'm going to go with it. Thanks, Google. 
again. All right. Well, it's, it's way too early for technology. Maybe not failing me yet again. Yeah. It's, it's way too early for us to break down next year's NFL draft. So uh, instead, I'm going to talk to you about, did you hear what DeAndre Levy said uh, about the best moment that he had in college? No. I'm jumping around here, but since we're on the NFL, uh, Detroit Lions linebacker DeAndre Levy said that his best moment as a college player uh, was the time as a Wisconsin linebacker that uh, he pushed uh, a Penn State I believe offensive lineman into Joe Paterno, thereby breaking his leg. And to DeAndre Levy, his best moment of college was breaking Joe Paterno's leg because that was so. That was the reason that Paterno was walking around with a broken leg that that year. That exactly, it was DeAndre Levy's fault. Yeah, and Levy says that that you know, uh, I lost the quote, but basically that that Paterno, uh, you know, enabled fostered an environment that allowed for sexual assault and to to him that that's his greatest triumph as a college player do you feel like that's that's like a fair statement or do you think it's like a little bit of a low blow for a guy who's already gone and sort of uh i mean like, that's sort kind of, of the like way it malicious. works though right it, people go away and then things come out of, about them good or bad i mean i, I don't I, I feel like all these stories coming out in hindsight it, it's just the way it happens and if uh, if somebody has not done very many good things, or and they've done actually some bad things in their life, then I mean I think it's actually more respectful to say something after the fact than to, to call them out in the first place. I, even though that 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 kind of sounds asinine, just because if you're a player like that and you have respect for your coach, then you're not going to want to throw him under the bus at the time. But in hindsight, you're looking at it and you're like, wow, that was some pretty terrible things that he did. I need to say something about this now. No, and and look, and Levy was a Wisconsin linebacker, so it's not like he, you know, Paterno was his coach. Oh, I, and I and I don't have a that problem nice with him. No, I said Wisconsin linebacker. He just wanted to I wasn't paying uh, attention, I guess. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I don't have a problem with him speaking out against a sexual assault. It just – it seems it seems to me like a little bit – a little bit evil to, like, take malicious glee in the fact that you broke an old man's leg, regardless of, like, the fact of, of the, the fact that he, you know, in some way tacit, tacitly allowed uh, – horrible things to happen at the school I, I also like, don't really think it's cool that you broke his leg you know I don't know maybe you're on the other side but especially you know because no I mean it's, I'm, like, I'm never I'm never one for condoning violence or anything like that and I, I it sounds like it was an accident obviously so obviously um, but I mean yeah to, maybe after the fact to sort of take take some pride in that is a, a little bit sinister but um, I mean, maybe he was also just trying to find a way to speak out against the things that Paterno did. I don't know. All right, fair enough. That's all we got on that. See, we're just moving on, moving right on to the Celtics. Murray, your Boston Celtics. They got they got their guys back. I did a, uh, a, a Celtics post game show the other day, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't they didn't seem too concerned about the slow start of the Celtics. I, I tried to say that, you know, despite the fact that they lost guys like 
certain guys on the team aren't playing defense like they were early in the year. But the the guy I did the host game, the post game show with, uh, forgot his name, Justin something. No, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. Ju- probably Justin Poolin. I don't know. It wasn't him. It was it was another guy. Okay. Uh, Joe yeah, Sway. I don't know. No. Anyway, okay. <laughs> the point right. is, way to go. Yeah, the point is that yeah that guy wasn't too. Uh, he wasn't too concerned about their slow start, and he said, you know, when when Al Horford and Crowder come back, particularly Crowder, actually, his the Celtics will, will be fine. Now they've come back for two two games now, right? They've won both the games. Yeah, and I think oh, yeah. Horford has definitely had a, a much bigger impact than Crowder. I wish Crowder would sit down. I mean, he he's definitely not right. He's not a hundred percent. Horford waited until he was a hundred percent. Granted, the injuries are different with a concussion. I mean, I understand why you'd want to wait until you're 100% because that's more than just your physical welfare and well-being. That's your mental state of, of mind as well. And we all know that there are serious conditions that can occur uh, in athletes that get multiple concussions over the course of their career. So I don't blame Al Horford for taking the time to be 100%. But at the same time, I wish Crowder would have done it too. And I, I feel like he does this He does this a lot. He comes back from injury too soon. He admittedly is not 100%. He said he's probably like 70% or something, but he just wants to play and get out there. And that he was going to play unless he uh, experienced any pain. And then he said it flared up on him the other night. So he's much more effective when he's healthy. And I just I'd rather see him out there when he's healthy and give somebody else some playing time because especially with Horford back, He's made a huge impact. The things that Al Horford does for that team are they don't show up in the box score. It's that old cliche, but he's definitely made a big difference in the last two games. Well, especially in in the case of Crowder, because it's an ankle, you know, if you play on the ankle, you're basically like not giving it time to heal every night when you go out there and you play and you're, it, it seems like, it's just going to linger for an extended period of time. Then because it's an ankle and you're constantly running up and down the court, shifting your legs, you know, putting pressure on it, jumping for rebounds. Like you're just putting yourself at risk for aggravating the injury or getting another injury because you have to favor the other leg. I don't, yeah, I, I agree with you that, that Crowder should hit sit. It's early in the season. It's not the NBA finals. There's, there's no reason why, you know, he shouldn't wait until he's good. Um, but yeah, as far as Horford goes, it is fun to see him out there. And you're right; he has done a little, th- a lot of little things like, uh, you know, tip passes that don't show up as rebounds or show up as team rebounds uh, that are basically, you know, due to Horford or like saving bad passes. I've seen a lot of that. Just making smart, you know, uh, hockey assist type uh, passes that lead to baskets. His his passing is sort of an underrated element of his defense. I mean, of his defense of of his game, and I was going to speak about his defense even when he's not necessarily blocking shots his positional defense is just just really good but as a team I feel like the Celtics have not really played that much better as far as what's happened out there so far obviously they've won games but they were both sort of down to the wire you know situational games and I oh, think it'll take yeah they're still play. very inconsistent but they look they look like a better team with him out there yeah, I agree with that. All right, so bef- before we move on from the uh, the Celtics, uh, Boston.com has a uh, a power ranking of uh, Celtics basketball players, and I was 
sort of curious to know if you if you're sort of in in sync with this, or uh, you know you you have a totally different base. So we're gonna play a little a little Celtics power ranking game. Why don't we just see if you can, if you can guess? We'll start at the top to make it easier for you to guess rather than be like, who's the tenth best player on the Celtics? Yeah. Easier to start top. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So give me a guess. Who do you think that they have as the the, the best player on the Celtics? Um, I mean, if they're, if you agree after that, it's probably Isaiah Thomas. It is not Isaiah Thomas. Oh, well, um, then it's got to be Al Horford. It is in fact, Al Horford. Interesting. Yeah. They're to the new guy. Right. Well, it makes the argument that like, it it basically talks about the Celtics plus minus in the minutes that he's on the floor. That that's the primary argument they're making for Horford. Okay. Uh, uh, well, I, I would say that I think that uh, Thomas is the most talented player on the floor, and Isaiah Thomas may be the most valuable player on the floor. But I don't know if you remember when they used to give out the most important player award. They got rid of that a long time ago, and I may just be talking out of my ass and like, or from a movie or a different sport or something, but I feel like Horford is actually more important to this team than Isaiah Thomas is, is. and it's it's a strange argument to, to make because, well, isn't that the most valuable player? Well, no, because I feel like Isaiah Thomas could be more valuable to a different team, but the way this team is constituted... Al so Horford is, is, is the more important player. So if you're looking at an MVP situation across the league, I would say that Isaiah Thomas has a better chance to be in that type of a situation, in that type of a discussion than, than Horford. But if you're looking at the most important and valuable player to the Celtics, uh, the way that they've been playing without him and now the two games that we've seen of him at 100% being healthy, I'm going with Horford. Do you making a sort of Curry, Draymond Green kind of argument with Isaiah and Horford, basically, right? Like, Horford does more things and therefore impacts the game in more ways, but Isaiah is still sort of the lead. So, so if they didn't didn't have Isaiah, they probably wouldn't win many games. They would look okay, they would fight hard, and they they would have Horford doing a lot of different things. But if if they didn't have Horford, I think it would look a little bit even, a little bit worse just because they don't have somebody that's doing that garbage stuff clean up as well as Horford does, but they would have the, the little scrappy guy like they did last year um, scoring a lot of points. So I'd rather see it this way where Horford is the guy that I'm looking at as, as the more important player for this team. So you're good with Horford 1, Isaiah 2. Under this power rankings list. Are you not there? Very. Oh no, I'm I'm saying I I uh I'm okay with it. Okay. Know? Um I, I don't no I don't I don't agree with their reasoning, the plus minus. Fair enough. I I'd rather just use the eye test, but um yeah, I'm okay with him being number one. Yeah, for number three. Um it's got to be Avery Bradley, right? Uh, it is indeed Avery Bradley. They talk about how his, you know, scoring numbers and rebounding numbers are going to go down with Horford out there. 
is fair, but I think he right now, especially the, how much better he's shooting, he got he got go every bad the next before. Um, where it gets interesting. That that is where it gets interesting. Uh, I guess. I guess I'm going to reluctantly go with Jay Crowder. Uh, I think that when he's healthy, but again, this gets back to him coming back too fast, too soon. He's got to be healthy. He's my number four for them. So I'll go with Crowder. They have Crowder at number five and Marcus Smart at number four. Yeah, I was going to say, so it's got to be Smart instead because he's definitely the, the next best talent on the team. And after that, you're getting into the, uh, the I don't care situation. Right. So... You would think that a healthy Jay Crowder is – actually, they have number six as Rozier, which I was going to touch on because it's huh. kind of interesting. Never Rozier over Jurebko, over Amir Johnson, who they have down at eight. Where's Olenek? Uh, Olenek is nine. I mean, I guess power, power rankings do take into effect immediately, like right now, what's going on. So right. if, they, if they're looking at the last – few weeks or a few uh, games, I should say, then I guess it makes sense. Right. I guess he's not rebounding very well defense. So, that makes sense. And that's that's their complaint about Amir either, is that he's not rebounding, but he's never been a rebounder. I feel like th- th- to have Amir below Jurebko is ridiculous. But anyway. I don't know. Oh, Amir yeah. Johnson's not having a good year, Calvin. He's, I mean, he's not been very good at all. I don't, I don't know if, if he's hurt, if the plantar fasciitis from last year has come back and he's re-aggravated something, or what's happening with him. But, he, I mean, aside from those couple games that, that uh, we talked about last week, he doesn't look good. I wonder how well he fits with Horford, to be honest with you. But I'm not sure that this season he fits with anyone. I, don't, not I still feel well. like he. I still feel like when they involve him and Isaiah in the two-man game, it's so effective. But you're right. Outside of that, he really hasn't done too much, and he hasn't been as as good defensively this year either. Anyway, that's it for the Celtics talk. I'm good there. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just excited that Horford's back, and I, I'm looking forward to see how they play through the next few weeks into Christmas when they have that yeah. noon game on Christmas and see where they, they stand right there. Uh, it's going to – I think the next couple of weeks are going to show you if, what the potential of, of what this team actually can be. So see what happens. Yeah, no thoughts on the Lakers for me this week. I need to see more. They haven't, they're playing a tough schedule right now. Anyway, uh, I want to talk about the movie Bleed for this a little bit. I'm all over the map here, but I'm just looking at topics randomly. Uh, Rory, do you know anything about this movie? The movie with Miles, what's his last name? Teller. Yes. I was going to say, I, I don't know why I was thinking um, somebody's, Miles, I don't know what I was going to say. Miles, Miles Davis. Turner, maybe? Um, uh, Miles Turner. Basketball player, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know what I was going to say, um, but I've seen uh, the trailer for this. Yes. So in this movie, Miles Turner plays Miles Turner. See what you did to me, Miles Teller. Ha uh-huh. ha. Plays real life boxer Vinny Pazienza. 
I don't know if you know anything about Vinny Pazienza. I mean, obviously, by watching the trailer, you probably already have an idea what I'm going to say. He was a boxer uh, who was a champion, but always sort of drained himself uh, to make weight. And, like, he got super dehydrated after a fight, went to the hospital, and then decided to, like, switch trainers and, and fight at a bigger weight where he was, like, more comfortable or whatever. So right after that, he gets into, like, a horrible car accident with it jacks up his spine. He has to wear, uh, you know, he has to wear a giant headpiece just bolted to his head. They, they screw in the bolts. Again, seeing the trailer, that's sort of the traumatic image of the trailer is him him wearing this exoskeleton, this disgusting metal exoskeleton while he's uh, told that he'll never box again. You know, his, his doctors tell him that he can die. His family tells him, you know, we want you to stay alive. Don't do it. But he insists on training. So he starts training while he's still in the exoskeleton. He starts working out and, you know, putting himself at risk. And it's, and you, you know, there's a part in the extended trailer where he's like talking to a, a reporter and uh, he says to the reporter that like, don't, you know, don't ever let them lie to you and tell them, tell you that you can't do something. And it's sort of this inspirational story of him. He comes back, he fights again and he be, he becomes a champion again after being told that it couldn't be done. But my issue here, Rory, is like, yes, that that happened in real life. But I feel like this movie, and it should have just made me think about sports movies in general. And I was curious, sort of, where you were at on this. Like, don't you think it's it's sort of like irresponsible of him, first of all, to like. He cares so much about boxing. He doesn't care about his family, apparently. Like, doesn't care about, like, staying alive or that people care about him or, like, the doctors are giving him good advice. He's going to ignore good advice while he's, his spine is fused with a metal exoskeleton on him just because he, he wants to box. Don't you – like, to me, in, in the movie, and I feel like sports movies in general just always send this message that, like, you can overcome anything. But, like, first of all, isn't that kind of a lie? Like, you can't overcome anything, right? For, for every, like, Vinnie Pazienza... Well, someone, someone out there can overcome anything. I'm sure there are people out there that overcome all odds. And, but it's, it's so few and far between. But, yes, Hollywood sensationalizes this stuff, and, and they make it seem like it can be an everyday occurrence. And that's the inspiration to today's youth, right? Movies. But the thing is, is, like... If if you're a boxer or, and you get into a horrible car accident and, you, and the movie Bleed for this comes out and you, and then this is like the ter- the terrible argument people make about things like video games so they're like uh, video games are just gonna lead you to become a murderer but it's like it's still it's still like providing this example of like a guy a guy like not listening to everybody's advice and like doctors and putting his family at risk or putting his relationship with his family at risk. To what? To win again? Like he's already rich at that point. He was already a world champion. He's rich and and he's famous. He could have been a commentator. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you know he's physically fine and it worked out for him. But I just I look at the trailer for this movie and it just it makes me feel like this guy is it was just reckless with his life, and the movie's just glorifying him as a sports hero. And I feel like a lot of there's a lot of situations like for every bleed for this. There's like the wrestler, you know, the wrestler is like an example of like, they're basically the same guy, except Mickey Rourke's character dies because he wanted to continue wrestling. Right. Right. No, you're, you're, that's, that's totally true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's so, but that's the thing Like that movie came out too. So I don't know. 
they tried to sensationalize him as well, but it's it's still it's it's still a good story even though he ended up dying in the end, right? That it's not a good story, but it's it's a, a compelling story that people want to go and see. I don't I don't mean to use the word good there because he dies. Well, I mean he's a fictional character, so you can you can still call the story good in terms of the wrestler. But I guess what I'm saying is I. I just find it like, you know, and uh, comparing it to like Miles Teller's last movie, Whiplash, for example. Uh, in Whiplash, he's sort of this jazz musician drummer who, like, you see him, his hands bleed, and he talks about like, you see his obsession with like trying to be the best, much like Vinnie Paz is like trying to be the best. But in Miles Teller, you like see what it cost him, and the movie sort of like leaves it up to you whether or not. You know, it's a good thing that he's that obsessed or, like, did he lose some of his humanity? Whereas in, in Bleed for This, it just seems to be, like, this just this hero narrative of, like, if you believe in yourself. But I don't I don't think that I like that message. I guess that's all I'm complaining about because what are you going to do? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe in the, when you see the actual movie, they'll, be, they'll have some sort of connotation and just sort of say, uh, hey – something bad happened to this guy anyway. Like maybe he does have some sort of a estranged family or something and they don't talk to him anymore because of it. Even after he's a champion, who knows? Maybe, maybe there's a bad twist in there as well. Uh, when you see the movie, I guess you're just going to have to go. (laughs) I like how you like, um, you're trying to make me feel better. Like, no man, maybe something bad will happen to him. (laughs) And then you'll feel happy. (laughs) You're making me seem like a horrible person. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got on that. All right. Well, you know what that means. What does it mean? It's time for our next segment. What's that? Which happens to be... How do you feel about that? Think it's good? You love you like that song. We all like love that, that song. song. Hello, Liz. Hey. What other Goo Goo Dolls songs should I put on the board for you, Liz? Oh, you know what? It's okay. You don't have to. You don't have to go out of No, way but it would that. be my pleasure. I'd, I'd love to. I would love to really satisfy cool. everyone's musical so needs. <laughs> they have more songs. <laughs> yeah, of course they have more songs. Huh. Of course they do. What's up? Hi guys. Hey. Hello, welcome to hey. the show. Hi. Welcome, Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome week. back. Nice to hear from you. Happy Thanksgiving hey. to you as well. Are you going to come drinking Thank with you. us on Thanksgiving? Well, considering it's been our plans since the dawn of time, I well, yeah, but I going. just all right. I, I can always assume, but you know what happens when you do that. Sometimes you're wrong. Um, so yeah, sometimes you're wrong. Slide. That's another one, Calvin. We should get oh, slide yeah. here. I think that's one of Liz's favorites. Slide. What is it? Slide. Yeah. Oh boy. Yep. Boy. Yep. All right, Liz. What do you have for so, us tonight? <laughs> I got. I have a couple couple stories, and then I came up with a game, but. 
Calvin told me earlier that my games are the worst, so I'm not. I don't know if we're gonna do it. That's a recurring theme, I guess. Play your game. Yeah. Okay, Calvin you telling you that the games then... suck. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So a couple of things that made me laugh were uh, you probably have heard this about this guy who he still <laughs> this guy who doesn't want to know who won the election, so he wears like headphones and a little sign that says please don't tell me who won the election and that's what? how he goes how out is he going, how is he going to what? I don't understand I don't understand well here's well, what I don't understand what? go ahead Go ahead. well he was in, He was interviewed and he said that he feels more peaceful now that he's subtracted the, the political aspects from his life and he said I divert my gaze from newspaper boxes and I don't venture out very often. Uh-huh. When I do, I wear my headphones and my sign. <laughs> <laughs> why does, okay, so why does he think that somebody's going to just come up to him and be like, so, what do you think of President Trump, huh? <laughs> well, I'm, my two thoughts were, A, how long could he actually go before it's ruined for him? And B, I feel like if I saw a sign that said, don't tell me who won the election, I would immediately want to tell him who won the election. He's drawing attention to himself. I don't know about this. This is what I was gonna. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Which is, in this in this sport culture we live in, like, how has somebody seen that sign and just ruined the election for him? <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> he must not go out at all. You know? uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think he goes out that often. But they have like a picture of him with his headphones on and a sign that says, "I don't know who won and don't want to. Please don't tell me." Although I think he wrote. No, 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 no. Almost more effective if you just wear the headphones. You know, yeah. If you bring headphones, if, if that's you, what I'm saying. Like, why does he need a sign? Why, yeah. Who's going to just come up to him and be like, "Hey, buddy, how are you today?" President <laughs> yeah, people, Trump. If if people talk to you while you're wearing headphones, just don't look into their don't look at their lips. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So that is that enough. Um, but. Honestly, how long do you think you can go out without learning who the president is, president-elect? Uh, I mean, if he's wearing that sign, he's not going to last that much longer. You've got two people out of three on this show that would ruin it for him. I would try <laughs> and respect the sign. Wow, that's nice. For, that's really nice. Yeah. Because I, I don't mean, care. I don't care if he doesn't want to know. I would just ask him why he doesn't want to know I, and I, I, and how he thinks he can get away with not knowing. That's I mean, what I'm curious I'm, about. Not I'm the ruin time. Like, I, knowing what I know now, I would. I don't want to know either. So, I'm with him. <laughs> right. Um, well, too late. You already know. So yeah, unfortunately. The other thing that made me laugh was that so today, Obama had his um, what is it? The Presidential Medal of Freedom ceremony, and one of the honorees was Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. So, and he he referred to him as the guy from Space Jam, which made me laugh. But but also, nice. is, isn't Michael Jordan kind of like, isn't he a dick? Like, isn't that what everybody says? Oh, Michael I Jordan? Mean, Aren't there like terrible stories about Michael Jordan? Like, why is he? Well, yeah, but he's only a dick to the people that don't make as much money as him or don't have the status, you know? So it's okay. I heard he once killed the guy. Stop it. <laughs> but I'm yeah, pushing right I'm, off that cliff. 
I mean, maybe it's just me. It just seemed like an odd, an odd person to honor. And also, like, what has he done lately? I don't, I don't know. It just he, like I mean, Michael Jordan is the owner of the Hornets, so he probably does a lot. He does a lot of charity work. He and actually, yeah. he was he he was he very recently came out and sort of denounced the whole uh, situation in North Carolina with the transgender bathrooms and all that, and just the way things people were going about it. And he rarely speaks politically, uh, and this is something that he actually put a statement out about. So maybe the president is uh, happy with him for that. You know, that's a good point because I feel like everybody that he was honoring had different aspects of their. Um, public identity that were positive, so I feel like that's got to be it. I didn't really well, look into it. Most most importantly, though, President Obama is a Bulls fan, and Michael Jordan is the great, and he's a huge NBA fan. And Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball oh. player of all time. So. Wow. I mean, I guess I could see that connection, but I, I don't know. That's where you're going, huh? Yeah. Uh, if I become president, Kobe's getting some. That's all oh. I'm saying. Ugh. Remind me not to vote for you just based on that. Callum doesn't vote anyway, so. Um, <laughs> this doesn't mean I don't want your vote, though. When as long as he doesn't it. protest, I'm fine with that. him not voting. I also do not protest. All right, then you're good. I protest, so it's all good. Um, okay, so I I have a game here. What are we doing on time? Do I want? Do we want to do this game? We can do your game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no response from Murray. Murray, you confirm? Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's okay. see how this one goes. You got to break your streak. Okay, so streak of bad games. Is, <laughs> the game is. I was looking at Netflix and their recently added things, and I decided that I would make up a couple of fake names and synopsis summaries, and and give you some real ones with their summaries and see if you can figure out which ones are real and which ones are not. And there's only five of them. Somebody has to win, and it's short. You guys ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are we t- wait, 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 wait. How are we doing this? Are we taking t- Are we both answering whether we think it's yeah. fake or real? Or are we taking turns? I mean, I feel like you're going to have to take turns, which is like... I don't know. Why don't we both why don't we both answer and each one and then we'll we'll just see who gets more. Okay. Alright. Alright, go ahead. Alright. The first movie is called First Cat. And the summary is the next leader of the free world only has one enemy. Dog. God? Dog. What dog? It's first cat. Ugh. Oh, first cat. Yeah, but a cat in the white. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. Yes, first. I, I think that, it's re- I think it's real. Unfortunately, uh, I think it's fake. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> it is fake. I mean, oh, come on! That's what, what, what are that's you sound like? You came up with that. That's that. Yeah. You came up with that's that for all. That's weak. That's that's such a thing that Liz would make up. (laughs) That's so bad. That's so good. That's so good. Okay. Um, Okay, the next one is called Glory Road. And the summary is uh, racism, politics, poverty. For a colorblind basketball coach, faith in his team is by far the best strategy. Come on, this is easy. Go ahead, Calvin. 
Um, I mean, Glory, Glory Road, isn't that, isn't that a real movie with, uh, with What's-His-Face, the guy who looks like McConaughey? So I think that's a real movie. What's, what's that guy's name? I can't remember that guy's name. Yeah, that's a real movie. I think I've heard of this movie. Yeah, fact, this is definitely I, real. I think I know somebody who was in this movie. That's what happens when you live in L.A. You just meet all is the that, big wigs. No, he was like one of the basketball players. Is that is that a final final answer from both of you? Yes, this is real. You said Glory Road, okay. right? Yeah, it's a, it's a real movie, but I, I really wanted it to be fake just so you, you could look like an ass. For saying that you knew somebody in the movie that was fake. Uh, it's not real movie. It's not okay. Fake. Okay. All right. Next one is called. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta put my my thing here. My notes. I wrote them all down and I can't even read them. So that's fine. Where is it? Great. Okay. This one's called Love on Friday. Okay. Okay. Wait, who's colorblind in that movie? That's what's throwing me. That was throwing me up. It's the coach. The coach is colorblind. He's not colorblind. He's just normal. Listen, I'm reading the summary. Racially colorblind. Racially oh, colorblind. Oh, oh, I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. He, he like started. He was like started the first all black team or something. Does that mean that you're you're really not racist because you didn't get that reference? It must mean. But, yeah, I thought you meant he was like visually colorblind. I was like, how would that affect him as a coach? I was thinking about the blind thing the entire time. All right, anyway, go, okay. go, on, go back to your All right. All right, this is called Love on Friday. Lindsay always looked forward to the weekend, but this Friday, her world was turned upside down. Great. Are you sure this is not Freaky Friday? It was Love on Friday. Freaky Friday is about people who body switch. Come on. Come on. People who body switch? This does not sound real to me. I'm going with fake. I'm going with fake. <laughs> I think I'm going it sounds like one of those bad Netflix movies. I'm going to, I'm gonna go with real. It is a fake movie. Oh we're tied. Alright. Okay. Next one is called Pup Star. T U P. Star. It's like American Idol with dogs and more drama. Who doesn't love talking, singing pooches? Ugh. I'm dying over here. <laughs> Calvin, aren't you first? I am first. I'm thinking about it. Sorry, I know silence is not good on the radio. I'm gonna be real because I don't think that she would make up two separate fake first cat and pop star. Therefore, it's real. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going with. I think it's I think it's real too, but I, I think the the spirit of the game is that I'm supposed to go the opposite, right? No, but, you, you don't have to. Because then nobody's gonna win. We're tied right now. Nobody's gonna win. It's it, it's it's. I, I think have, it's real. I have another. It is a real. It's a real thing. Wow. And now I want to watch it, guys. <laughs> really want to watch. Okay, I have one more. This is called the Lion in Your Living Room. Experts travel the world to explore. The common house cat, from its history of domestication to the science behind its purring. What is with you? What? Why do you have so many uh, animal-related ones? Did you just? <laughs> yeah, and are these the suggestions for you off of Netflix? What's going on here? <laughs> I'm 
going with I'm going I'm going with uh with, with real on this one again. Even though if it's fake, I'm just gonna play the Google dolls and say goodnight. <laughs> I think that it's real, but now you you forced me to be the the I have to pick fake because this is our last one, so I'll pick fake for the sake of the game. It's a, it's real. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's. And these are not these are not suggestions made. They're recently on Netflix, so it's not all okay. animal videos. Okay. Okay. If you say so. Well, at least you're spared of the Goo Goo Dolls. Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. Um. Well, was that one, was that one terrible? Is that okay? Uh, yeah, that, that, was, was okay. that was better than normal. Oh, Pretty good list. Great. great. Yep. Ending on a good note. Okay. Too many Enjoy that. Okay. I think I should watch that whole video again at some point. Yeah, I think I'm I'm into that. Yeah. All right. Yep. Takes a lot to make a stew. Don't you forget it. Liz Farola, everybody. Thank you very much. Bye, guys. Uh, Night. Liz. Yeah? In the spirit of Thanksgiving, what's your favorite side dish to have with ham or turkey? Do you want my favorite side dish for each of them? Sure. Okay, great. Um, For turkey... Is stuffing. Stuffing's like my favorite thing to eat. Um, and for ham, potatoes. Gotta be faster than that. Play the player out. <laughs> Have a good night, Liz. Okay, bye. Do you have do you have uh, any food preferences out there, buddy? Um, you know, it depends on the quality of gravy, but um, I like a, like mm. a, it. Also depends on the quality of like stuffing. You know, I like a good stuffing and a good uh-huh. mashed potato, but it, it just depends on the, the the gravy quality. Um, Got it. Yeah, so it's I'm a sort of traditionalist when it comes to Thanksgiving. Yeah, don't yeah. even try to throw a ham. Don't try to throw a ham my way. I'll just kick. No, you don't want the ham. Yeah, you we had a, want we had a potluck at work today, and uh, the COO brought a ham and a turkey, which I thought was nice because I'm going to have turkey on Thursday, so I had some of the ham today. I do like a, a nice a nice ham, um, but uh, my side, cranberry sauce. I, I oh, like really? the cranberry sauce, not oh, the canned I. stuff. I want it to be fresh, preferably, but um, I mean if it's canned. It's definitely not my favorite, and I'll, I'd rather have something else. But, yep, a good fresh cranberry sauce with some orange in there. Beautiful. All right, fair All right. enough. Yep, that was a little how-you-doing Thanksgiving treat right there for you. Uh, what is next here? We. Uh, what is now? So, <clears throat> U.S. Oh. Uh... Go ahead. Yes. No, I was I was looking uh, at the other a couple of the other ones, but go ahead. We have a few oh, more okay. random. And we're going to end the show with uh, with a few random NBA topics. So let's do the soccer now. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one's going to be a little bit longer just because I have a theory on it. The other ones are mostly quick hitters. Uh, so U.S. U.S. men's head soccer coach uh, Jurgen Klinsmann uh, got fired, and from you know what all the soccer people are saying, like this this was a good thing, but it's it's I, in you know. 
former coach Bruce Arena got hired, it sort of started getting me thinking because he was the, the head coach at the World Cup where, you know, we did better than expected. We made it to the second round. Uh, we lost to Belgium after I, didn't, I can't remember if that was the first game in the second round. I, th- I think we won another game, right? But anyway, the point is, is the U.S. did a lot better in the World Cup than anyone expected. Uh, right now, they're not playing well, and it, it doesn't look great for qualifying. But I feel like this guy, Klinsman, just takes uh, so much of a bad rap, especially considering the fact that, like, the United States, we don't have a player in the top 100 in the world, and we we never, like, really have. Our best player of all time is, right now, Landon Donovan. And Landon Donovan was, was like, a fringe player on, like, a pretty good European club team. So there's always been, you know, this, this overriding question when it comes to soccer. Well, two questions. One, about its popularity and how come it's not more popular here. But two is, like, why can't America produce good soccer players? And it, it seems like the standard answer when you sort of throw that question out there, Rory, is is what? What do you think? This, what do you what do you think the standard answer is? Do you know? What? America can't produce soccer players. I think it's a chicken yeah. and egg thing. I mean, kids don't play soccer because it's not on TV, and it's not on TV because people don't really play soccer or watch it growing up. Like it's just a, a, a circle. It goes around and round. Well, what I what I usually hear uh, as an answer to that question is, is people saying, well, we don't produce good soccer players because our athletes are going into basketball and football and baseball and all the other sports, and they're not going into soccer, and right, therefore because, soccer. Yeah, but it's, that's because soccer is not, not, sh- not shown or really watched. When you're growing up, it's not encouraged. Like, if people started playing more soccer, then inherently – they would want to watch it, right? And then they would, I don't know. Yeah. If you pump more money into the sport, then it, it's just, I don't know. It's, it, it's. A, I feel like it's a, a cycle that it can't, it just can't get itself out of at this point because it's almost never going to break into the top four and definitely not breaking into the top three anytime soon as far as I can see. Right, but I, I sort of feel like the argument about there being a shallow talent pool is it's like – I don't. I can't buy that argument for a couple of reasons. One, the U.S. has a population of almost 400 million. You know what I mean? If you compare it to like Spain or Brazil, I mean Brazil's still got a lot of people, but like Spain or Germany or Britain, these countries that are producing soccer stars all the time, and the United States is not producing them. And people say, oh well, yeah, they don't have the NBA or the NFL or whatever. We still have 400 million. We still look. You know what? You know what else this country doesn't really support? track and field and yet every olympics we still have a long jumper we still have uh you know tyson gay and, and guys who are like run the 100 meter dash we still have our michael johnson we yeah but guys that's, who are dominant. that's one that's one guy in a in a sport that he all he has to do is be fast and be able to throw things really far and i mean i'm not trying to diminish the sport because i would never be able to do anything like that but it's one guy as opposed to a team of of men that can dominate another team of men or women for that matter. And I, I feel like the women's soccer team has been, has had more success because there aren't as many professional leagues for women in those other sports. So they're, they, they are drawn to soccer. If, if you're an aspiring professional athlete as a female in the United States. And I mean, now of course there's the WNBA, but the, the, I don't even know if there are prominent professional 
women's football leagues around the, the nation, even right. regional ones. You know, so yeah. it's it, that to me is it, kids just in general playing more soccer as as girls growing up as opposed to boys who have more options and that is trending in the direction where where women are going to have or and girls are going to have all the same options in school as the guys do and it's just the professional leagues that are going to take a lot longer to catch up in that regard yeah, but the point I'm making, Rui, is that like the argument that the talent pool is shallow because everyone's going to basketball or football. It's it's stupid because we again we have all these other sports in the U.S. that aren't popular, and yet you we still dominate at the Olympics. We still win at gymnastics. We still have we still win at figure skating. Those aren't popular sports outside of the Olympics, and, and even. Even at the Olympics, they're popular because of our, you know, patriotism and our jingoism and our desire to like watch the USA win. But nobody cares about the sport of gymnastics. Nobody grows up like thinking. But we have such a wide talent pool and we have so much money when it comes to every sport that those people manage to succeed anyway. We still manage to succeed in that level, and yet we still don't succeed at soccer. But it's not because we don't have the talent for soccer. That, that's what I'm getting at. It's like this idea that the talent pool is drained for, for soccer is BS. And soccer takes a different skill than most of the other sports. LeBron was never going to play soccer. You don't see a lot of like six, eight guys his size running around playing soccer in the first place. But to me, the real reason why we, we don't play well at soccer is because MLS, unlike what happens in Europe, look, European club teams have uh, – minor leagues that start at like 15 or 14 they take they take kids from schools they're already teaching them how to play soccer and the other thing about soccer that a lot of people don't realize is like your prime starts earlier than in most sports soccer is like tennis the prime of your career starts from like 17 to 23 so you know 17 to 27 or whatever rather than in most other sports which is like in, in basketball for example it's like 25 to 32 33 so because it's because your prime starts younger, because you need to de- be developed at a younger age, and because the, the MLS or, or really we don't have any sort of minor league structure to to get people over here, and the European leagues that that really pay the money don't really have scouts that come over and watch you know American high school soccer teams. Most most of the kids there are coming out of Germany. They're 15 year olds who that that 15 year old in Germany might be just as good as a 15 year old soccer player in the United States. It's just that kid in the United States has to you know go play college soccer, which the, the college the, the level of soccer at the college level is not going to be anywhere near what it's going to be if you're in development with you know Arsenal or a, an international Real Madrid or something. They just have they, because they start at a younger age, and because we don't have the infrastructure in terms of a minor league, the kids don't get the opportunity. Now, occasionally, there's somebody who comes out who's, but that person has to be transcended. I just think there's not there's not opportunities for people here, which is different than saying we don't have the talent because I think that's garbage. We have we have enough talent to be good at every and and the racial nature of the United no, States. No, I think you're right. Yeah. As far as the talent is concerned, I, I think you're right, but I think it also plays into the fact that, I mean, maybe the MLS has to look into a, a better, a better farm system, if you will. That's and what I'm saying. Start, I, I, yeah, I know, but the point is that it has to start earlier than that. You you can't just start picking kids out of the out of uh, baseball or 
football or at, at 15 if they've never played soccer before. There's more that goes into it. You know, there's you have to learn actually how to play the game. And I, I, I know that there's more strategy that goes into it than just being fast and kicking a ball around. You have to be able to have some sort of skill which is developed even younger than that so it's I feel like it's it's not necessarily on the MLS it's more on the youth soccer leagues and trying to figure out a way to get kids excited about it and looking at it as a potential future and really I mean providing them with a better place a better way better way to go I don't know what the sort of rules are in the MLS as far as when you can get drafted are concerned or, but uh, we know that in in hockey and in baseball, you can get drafted as young as I guess eighteen, right? Maybe even yeah. younger in hockey, and you don't have to go to college for a, a specific amount of time. You just have to either go through the minor league system, or you can go to college. It's a, it's an option, you know. So maybe the MLS needs to start doing something like that. I think if the MLS wants to succeed in this country, they really need to, like, sort of develop club teams. I'm not saying, like, uh, I'm not saying draft anyone or, or pay anyone, obviously. Like, but if you had, if 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 the, LA, if the Los Angeles Galaxy had, uh, you know, a 17-year-old team, obviously you're not you're not paying them, but maybe you say, hey, look. You you play in your in your free time and you'll you'll get an opportunity to you know advance to the next level and maybe then you have a 19 year old team and from that 19 year old team you draw players into actual MLS to where guys could see a legitimate career path opportunity and while they're getting better with you know professional teachers of soccer rather than it what, what seems to be a a much more scattershot system. Uh, and it, it doesn't seem like soccer is being taught as efficiently as we teach other sports. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, there doesn't really seem to be a path. Even the people in ML, MLS, for the most part, are international players, either old international players or international players who, uh, you know, aren't good enough to compete in their league anymore. The, the amount of Americans even in the MLS is not as good as, as we like, as, as I would like in order to advance soccer as a sport in the United States. So I can't believe we're actually doing almost 10 minutes on soccer, but here's my last thought. Uh, okay. A team like the New England Revolution is owned by Robert Kraft. He also owns the New England Patriots. So he has a, a bigger investment in the Patriots, and if it comes down to it and he has to make decisions between the two teams, he's going to go with putting the money into the Patriots. And I don't know if it's like that around – the nation with football owners actually owning pieces of soccer teams in the MLS, or if this is a one, one person, one team, one franchise case. But to me, it, it's sort that sort of illustrates the whole point that football is the bigger deal around here. And it kind of probably always will be uh, unless the NFL really starts to tank somehow because of all the craziness that they put out there. Uh, but even just a guy like Robert Kraft, his, the salaries that he spends on the revolution players are typically not the highest in the league. Whereas you would you look at the Patriots and kind of think that sometimes, I mean, while the Patriots are frugal with their salary cap and all that, they definitely have some huge contracts and they're not afraid to pay guys that they think are stars and will be important for the team going forward. Whereas the revolution it seems like they're just trying to to put a competitive team out there and they're, and they're not really trying to push things over the top. 
And I, I just, I feel like that illustrates what people think about soccer in this country in, in a little bit of a nutshell right there. Did you mute yourself now? Oh, you know what? I did mute myself. You're right. I, I muted myself for a second, and I thought I pushed it again, but I didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I was just saying that it's, uh, you know, good to, like, branch out to uh, talk about a lot of different things. You know me, I have thoughts on everything, so sometimes I like to get them out. All right, well, back to a, something that's more of my bread and butter. How about that? Let's do it. All right, we've got, uh, let's see, one, two, uh, let's call it, I guess, three quick NBA topics. Um, and actually, so do you want to do a little rant on the Conor McGregor rock before, walk before we get into that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not quick. It, it's, it's not long. So, you know, Conor McGregor fought uh, a week ago. He fought Eddie Alvarez, and he, uh, as he walked out to the ring, he sort of did a strut. Uh, where he, you know, moves his shoulders and flails his arms, sort of like, uh, in like the inflatable rubber man. He sort of swings his arms around while wildly just uh, moving his shoulders in a circular motion. If you've seen Conor McGregor walk out to the ring, you know what I'm talking about. But it's sort of moved into uh, a wider range of sports in in pop culture. Uh, Mark Gasol did it to I celebrate. Saw, I saw recently. Gasol do it. I did see Gasol do it. Yeah, there's a soccer player, uh, Paul Pogba did it. Uh, I think Pogba. I think it's Pogba. Paul Pogba did it. Uh, somebody in the NFL did it when they scored a touchdown. I can't remember who off, off the top of my head. And it's, you know, everyone's like, hey, everybody's doing the Conor McGregor walk. And I'm pretty annoyed by this, Rui, because it's not the Conor McGregor walk. I don't understand how people don't realize that Conor McGregor's doing the Vince McMahon walk. This is this is like yes. Vince McMahon stick for for you know fifteen years. This is a, yes, this it, has, is, it is. You know what? I now that I now that I think about it, that is definitely the. I didn't even think about it when I saw Gasol doing it, uh, but it's definitely the Vince McMahon walk. Absolutely. Yeah. I've even seen a video of Conor McGregor doing the walk, and in saying you got no chance. That no, he says no chance. That's what you got. Like, he like says that. You know, do, you think, do you think that McGregor is going to end up in the WWE at some point? Is this a given that it's going to happen? I do. I do. Yeah. So, but, yeah. His, his entire Why wouldn't walk it, is, right? Why wouldn't it happen? Yeah. It's just a tribute to Vince. And Vince's walk is awesome. I love that walk. That's like my favorite thing about him. It, it just annoys me that like, you know, Connor, like it's just being called the Conor McGregor walk and people are doing it in tribute to Conor when really they should be doing it in tribute to Vince because it's his walk. That's all I got. Yeah, but people people don't know WWE or WWF all that stuff. They don't really know it as well as uh, others do. So they, Conor McGregor is a bigger deal than Vince McMahon is for sure. And uh, I mean, maybe not as far as money or success is concerned, but in the eye of the public right now, Conor McGregor is certainly the bigger name. Yeah, that's fair. But just you know, news organizations when you get a report on this. Just don't call it the Conor McGregor walk. That's all. This is a mild complaint I have. This is right. you're, showing, you're showing your knowledge. You're showing your wrestling knowledge there, Calvin. I like it. All right. All right so let's, basketball. Yes, let's get into a couple quick basketball topics to end this show here. Um, and actually, it looks like only one of them, I even know what's going on. I've heard 
rumblings about Cuban and Parsons, but I'm going to start with Drake Knight up in Toronto, which in and of itself is utterly ridiculous. Drake, the rapper, is a part owner of the Toronto Raptors. So my question is, first of all, did he go up to the rest of the ownership and say, hey, I think we need to have a night about about me. We need to do this. We need to make it Drake night. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm the, big, I'm the super fan. I'm the biggest fan. I'm the biggest celebrity fan for the Raptors. Let's make it Drake night. Or was there some crony that's walking around the Raptors' offices saying, hey, I think since Drake is so so cool, we need to have a Drake night. Let's let's pump his tires a little bit. Let's let's have a Drake night. Either way, I think it's I think it's terrible. Murray, you, you're going to be disappointed to to know, to find this out, and I have no idea when it started. But the Raptors do a Drake night every year. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. That's every year terrible. they have a Drake night. Yeah, uh, it probably I, started when he started going to games when he was and he finally became famous. Yeah. I mean, I I loved his Doris Burke sweatshirt to be fair to Drake. I found that hilarious. Although it was how I don't know if you saw the interview where he was just sort of trying to get Doris Burke to come to dinner at his house alone. I thought that was that was a little creepy, but <laughs> a little uh, weird. Yeah, yeah, a little weird for my taste. But then after so during the entire game, he's just talking trash to Kevin Durant. He and Durant are going back to each other. Like Durant's waiting to check in, and Drake, who has seats courtside, is just just yelling stuff at him and Durant is like you know tries to sort of uh, tune him out Durant goes off in the game and afterward uh, Kevin Durant is giving his post game interview with Israel Gutierrez and Drake walks by and bumps Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant gives him a, a, a little stare down but during the stare down you can see him sort of like half break into a smile and then Gutierrez asks him about the bump and Kevin Durant says, I don't give a damn about no Drake night. But it was like so, it's such an obvious like two friends messing with each other thing. It, it I guess what, what, what I'm at is this, Roy. I miss the days of like, of the Spike Lee, Reggie Miller. You know what I mean? I want, and Drake is right there. He's, he's right there on the court. He's a Raptors fan. But he like likes too many guys. He likes too many teams. I just need I need Drake to be more of a jerk. You know, I want that I want that bump to be real so badly. I I need like I need the fan who just like makes the other team hate him rather than like these guys clearly just being homies and like the bump the they they had that bump on the court and Durant looked so angry for a second, but it was so contrived. I just want it to be real, right? That's all. Well. Uh, I wish it was real too. And I don't, I mean, I just don't think that's going to ever come back to the NBA. I think they've gone to the softer side and these guys are all friends. Now, Every, all the players around the league are friends. And a lot of the people that sit courtside have become friendly with the players as well. And uh, it's, it's too bad. Maybe Spike Lee will find somebody to, to be angry at, but the problem with that is that the, the team he follows is terrible. So uh, unless, unless you can, Find a uh, a I don't know celebrity Cavs fan or maybe somebody that gets really mad at Spurs games or something. <laughs> or are there any Warriors fans that are that are angry? I, I don't really know. When I was there, I didn't I didn't see any. Uh, so it, it's it's just not there anymore, Calvin. Yeah. Oh well. 
I just wanted to be a little <laughs> sad. A little right, sad well, time. A little All sad right. time. Just like Mark Cuban and Chandler Parsons, they had sad times together. They have sad times now. I assume they're so, fighting. I haven't heard the exact words, but uh, I do know that when Mark Cuban feels like he's been burned by a player, he will not hesitate to drag him right out into traffic. Uh, they're actually not really fighting. Um, there's a long article about Chandler Parsons and Mark Cuban on ESPN. I encourage you and anyone else who's interested to, to check it out. It's pretty interesting. So I don't, you, do you remember when Chandler Parsons signed his contract with the Mavs a few years ago where uh-huh. – uh, he signed the contract in the club and they, you know, posted pictures on Instagram of them partying afterward. Uh, apparently like, you know, since that time, Mark Cuban and Chandler Parsons have, you know, partied basically everywhere they've gone, like the, for the next few years, he and Mark Cuban, instead of like being boss employees, sort of became best friends. Parsons, like all of a sudden started having a hand in uh, personnel matters. I guess Parsons was like a huge factor in their attempt to try to sign DeAndre Jordan. Uh, he was like, people were saying, or this, according to this article, that like he had power comparable to the GM. You know, he had that sort of influence on Cuban, where like they thought they were going to be together forever. They partied everywhere, and then Chandler Parsons got hurt. You know, right when he had free agency coming up. Cuban then wanted Parsons to opt into the final year of his contract to make sure his knee would be okay. But obviously that was in, in this last offseason where everyone in the universe was getting paid outrageous sums of money and Chandler Parsons wanted his. So I guess he you know, then started trying to contact Mark Cuban, sort of get in touch with him and see if, if they could work it out. But Mark Cuban all of a sudden became hard for him to get a hold of. From his perspective, Cuban says otherwise – uh, well, see, then, this is what I'm saying, though. Cuban strikes me as the type of guy that if he feels like he got burned, regardless of whether he admits that he feels that way, he's probably going to give you the cold shoulder. Uh, yeah, probably, right? Yeah, But I don't know – yeah, I don't know if he felt like he got burned or he felt like he had to move on from Chandler. Like, it, the, the article sort of makes it seem – from Chandler's perspective that, like – the, the guys who uh, were sort of jealous and annoyed by the fact that Parsons was getting too much power in the organization, when he got hurt, then went to Cuban and sort of uh, tried to push back on Parsons, like, hey, try to get him to opt in on this deal, and then was sort of like, hey, he's a bad influence on you. You can't have let a player uh, get involved so much in, in this situation. And then all of that is what led to Chandler Parsons uh, signing in Memphis, even though he wanted to stay in Dallas. I guess my question is, is like, is it ever a good idea to be friends with your boss? Or is this sort of the ending to any boss yeah. situation? Man, I don't know. I, I, the only time I ever am really friendly with my boss is once in a while we'll go out and grab a drink or two after work. But that doesn't happen very often. And, it's, it, I mean, it's not just he and I. It's We're kind of in a, it, definitely in a group setting with other people. So that's... That's the extent of it. I, I don't know if I'd be partying at clubs and stuff like that. And from Cuban's standpoint as well, you have to ask ask him, why are you doing that with a player of yours? You know players get injured. Like, what what is Parsons going to do? He's got to look out for himself, you know? And what what if it had been a more devastating injury and things had, had just ended for Parsons there anyway? Does Cuban still keep him on as a, as a GM type of, of a situation? Does he still have a, a role with the team? Or 
would Cuban have walked away from him at that point as well? So you have to look at it from that standpoint too. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how it works out for them long term. Uh, I guess Cuban recently got in touch with him. Like he in the article made a statement of, yeah, he'll he'll always have a job here. He doesn't know. Not sure when he'll be back, but he'll be back someday. But I just think, like, ultimately, especially because Cuban is like 55 and Chandler Parsons is like 27 or whatever he is, that like, how like, you know how real was that trip anyway? And like, you should, especially if you're the owner of an NBA team, I wouldn't want my owner partying that much with my players just because I think you have to retain some ob- objectivity. I think it's it goes to any boss man. I think you just have to have more re- removed from your players or your employees than Mark Cuban is having. Yeah, Cuban's got to stay young somehow, though. So that's how he chooses to do it, I suppose. Um, all right, finally here, Chris Paul got LASIK surgery, and he is really happy about it. He's pretty happy about it, yeah. So um, I, I guess his vision has been bad for a long time. I read a story on Deadspin uh, about how he memorized the eye chart so that he could go into the full Clippers doctors and he just recited the eye chart from memory and so that managed to get past the eye test with the Clippers even, even though his eyes were so too crazy. bad to actually see what was going on because I, I guess he's like a hypochondriac and he was afraid of, of eye surgery he's, he's needed uh, eye surgery his entire career I guess and now if you look at his percentages this year they're all way up he's shooting better than he ever has he's basically at you know I don't. What is he like? Thirty-two. Chris Paul's got to be getting up there, right? He's playing better than he ever has at any point in his career. So I guess it, it brings up the question: Is like Chris Paul already a Hall of Famer? One, you know, one of the better point guards just all the way around that, that I can think of, and already an, an awesome shooter from the perimeter. Could he have been an even better player this entire time? It's hard to imagine. And if you're a Clippers slash, you know, to a lesser degree, Hornets fan. Do you sort of like feel annoyed by that and have any resentment towards Chris Paul, or should you just be like, well, he he was doing yeah. what he had to do? I mean, I don't know. Everybody's going to live their life. I would never push for somebody to get surgery or resent them for not getting surgery if I was a fan of something that they did. Uh, but, I mean, as far as he's concerned, I would think that he probably is looking back and saying, damn, I – I probably should have gotten over this sooner. I probably should have done this sooner, and I would have had better percentages. And maybe he would have signed higher, better contracts. And although he's been a max guy pretty much his whole career, um, but who knows? Maybe he would have had more of a championship opportunity if he was playing better than he would had in the past. How, who knows how much it actually affected him in the past compared to now? I mean, I'm sure it's it's been getting worse or something. I mean, I would assume. Um, let me so let me complicate it for you a little bit because okay. because because Chris Paul is already awesome, so it's hard to be too mad at him, and he's awesome in every way. What if what if Don Rondo now on the Bulls got LASIK surgery, and all of a sudden he was for the rest of his career he shoots fifty percent from three, and he's he's just an awesome perimeter shooter immediately. Like like at this point in the season, he just gets LASIK and he's an amazing perimeter shooter. And you found out that that. He always could have been a great shooter. Would you have any resentment towards Rondo? 
No, no, I, uh, same thing for me. I mean, I just okay. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to to resent a guy for it just because I think he was a, a good player for the Celtics anyway. I mean, yeah, he was a bad shooter, but he did a lot of other things. All right, fair enough. So you wouldn't have been wow, you could have been you know one of the best players in the NBA this whole time, but no, I mean that, that's, that's, that's bad. I think I wouldn't resent him for it. I think he would probably feel worse about it than anybody else should. All right, fair enough. That's all I have, man. I'm out. I'm out of topics. All right, me too. And we're almost out of time. We, I can't believe we almost pushed this all the way 90 minutes, uh, even after being five minutes late. All right, that's gonna do it then. Um, are we going to make it a full month in November doing shows? We're we gonna have our fourth show in November next Tuesday. I think we are. Unless something crazy happens. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Careless Whispers on CNS Radio. Hey, everyone.